Hi there. Welcome to Raising Me. This is where we take the things that we're dealing with as parents and caregivers straight to the experts for advice. I'm Adrienne Stein, and today we're talking about picky eaters. I also feel like today we should start right off with a confession because I am a mom who regularly makes multiple meals in my house so that I know everybody eats. And I know it's not right. Please do not judge. Is it extra work? Yes. Is it worth it to keep the peace? Usually. But I get it. It really is short-term pain, long-term gain to get everybody to eat the same meal. So today, we're talking with Kate Goslin. She is a registered dietitian who helps families who have highly selective eaters. Kate's going to walk us through what might cause this behavior, what we can do to start working toward the end of multiple meals, which I am taking serious notes here, and when it might be time to bring in some professional help. Also, why we really should ditch the term picky eater, especially around the kids. Okay, so Kate, I am so excited to talk to you about this today as a mom of a picky eater. But I want to, there are probably varying degrees of picky. This is not exactly a medical term. So what does it mean exactly to be a picky eater? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think you know your kid best. And if you are struggling getting your kid to eat a balanced diet, which includes fruits and vegetables, um, proteins, and that doesn't necessarily mean meats, but, you know, a variety of different sources of protein, whether it be dairy or um, beans and legumes or nuts and seeds. If you, you feel like your child is missing one of those major groups of foods, you know, it's, it's cause for concern. And I also think this sets your child up for the rest of their life. Uh, I often equate eating patterns and habits of kids to learning a new language where it's much easier for children to be bilingual, learn a new language. Their brain is just kind of spongy and open to that kind of thing. Versus when you're an adult trying to make nutrition changes to healthier eating patterns, it is extremely, extremely difficult because you're kind of already set in your ways. And you can think about trying to learn a language when you're older too. So that's a really good way to think about it. And I, I definitely, I want to talk about the things that we can do as parents if we feel like, you know, we've identified our child as a picky eater and we're worried about the nutrition they're getting. And before we dive into that, though, you know, I'm curious about causes because so many times I, I think as a parent, like, oh, if I would have done this or if I should, I should have done this earlier or, you know, those kinds of the parent guilt, uh, obviously that we have in so many things. But is this a, a, a born with kind of situation or is a picky eater made? It's a really good question, Adrian. It's, it's hard for me to pinpoint one cause. I think that there are certainly, that there can be certain developmental issues that are going on that maybe are just starting to present as the child is getting older. And the first place it may present is with being a picky eater. And then you may see other things play out as you move along in the aging process. Um, but also we have to kind of put our, ourselves in our in the shoes of these kids, right? They're getting older. The world is getting bigger. 
they this oftentimes can be a way for them to express independence or control over their world. So if they are not feeling control over their world, there are very few things that they do have control over. And, and one of the primary things is eating um, and, and choices at the meals, right? We can't force them to eat things. So, uh, you know, I want parents to kind of think about the bigger picture that it's, it's unlikely anything that you've done wrong. It, it's part of kind of growing up and learning boundaries and what you know, exp expressing their personal preferences. And so, yeah, I really want to take the guilt off of, of parents that um, there are a lot of different factors that can go into picky eating. I'm putting that in my back pocket. It's nothing you've done wrong. Great. Perfect. I'm going to keep pulling that out for a lot of things. Kate, and you alluded to this a little bit too, is there are different ways in which you might be a picky eater, your child might be a picky eater. It could be smell, it could be texture, it could be the taste. Yep. Yep. You know, those those certainly could be indications of other, again, developmental issues. And if you are truly concerned about your child in terms of something bigger going on, I absolutely encourage you to go see your pediatrician and, and get checked out. It's never a bad idea to go ask the pediatrician what their what their experience is or if they see anything bigger that's going on. Um, but there are a lot of things that you can do at home too to manage picky eating if it isn't something bigger like those developmental delays. And I want to talk about that. First though, I can we talk a little bit about the label too? I do worry by saying, oh, so-and-so is a picky eater, you, you're reinforcing that identity. How do you feel about that, that the term picky eater and using that around your child? Yeah, it's a negative connotation, right? And if if they start identifying that that's how you view them or the world views them, you know, shame is, is a huge demotivator for children growing and experiencing new things, trying new things. Because if if there is shame attached to eating, that it's it's something that actually can they can carry on for the rest of their lives. And we really want to have an open mind in terms of where a child is in their developmental progress in trying new things. I mean, even as adults, you can think there are things that are really scary out there when it comes to trying something new. So again, I encourage you to have open discussions with your kid about. Hey, listen, I noticed that we're kind of eating the same things over and over again. And mommy's really wants you to have a nice, healthy, balanced diet. Are there there are reasons why, you know, you're kind of going to these new foods? Is there is there something you're scared of or is there something outside of here that's going on? You know, don't be scared to have those open conversations with your kids. And I agree, Adrian. I think using the term picky, picky eater and, and naming your child that we have to be really, really careful about that language. Yeah, it does. It feels negative, you know, and I don't think that helps for sure. You, you alluded to it a little bit. The, this is for a lot of kids. This is a sense of control. This is what they have control over. And sometimes, as a parent, we can almost make it worse when we're like, you you have to eat this, or you can't leave until your plate is clean, or until you try one bite of everything. So 
Can we talk about some of the strategies that might work? If we've tried that, you have to, you can't leave the table until your plate is clean kind of thing. Which, you know, back in the day, that was how we did it, right? Like, right. And I think, you know, for a lot of people, they've been burned by that because if they carry that on to adulthood, you've got to clean your plate before you leave the table. We, we've stopped listening to our hunger and fullness signals. And that is something that we really want to promote with kids too, that it's not cleaning your plate, but trying one bite of your food is a huge step forward. Little steps, little wins is kind of the name of the game. That idea of serving the same meal and saying, you do need to take one bite of everything that that will work. Yeah, yeah. So when you are making a change as a parent, now kids are very sensitive to what their parents are doing, right? You you are the model for how they're going to live their life. You are their safety, security. And so if you are doing a new behavior or a new way of talking to them, especially around food, which is so important to growing, they may not like that. <laughs> they may not like that new thing that you're doing, just like they may not, you know, they they may really repel the new food that you're trying. So it's really important to stick with repetition, the same routine. They may, you may see a little bit of a regression there where they're like, absolutely not. I will not eat anything on this plate. Whereas before they may have been eating most of their plate. Don't be scared about that. That's actually a normal reaction for kids. Again, try and be as positive about it as you can in, in terms of introducing foods and cycling through that. Can we talk about separate meals? I, I'm going to admit it. We do it in our house regularly just to keep the peace and to make sure that everybody, we feel like everybody is eating a full meal, right? So, uh, you know, a couple of things. How do we avoid doing that? And then if we're already in it, then what? How do we get away from that is a habit in the household? Yeah. So one of my favorite parts of my job is I, I teach a cooking class for the metabolic clinic. And these are, there's a lot of kids that have struggled to try new foods. And one of the things that we do is we promote kids getting back in the kitchen getting their hands on food and involved in what they're eating. And this can be a game changer because again, you're giving them back that control over what they're eating. They're involved in the process. This gives them a sense of pride that they're, they're making something. I mean, you think about the art projects that they may have made at school and how they come running up to you and they show you what they, they drew. Same idea with meals. So the more you can engage your kiddo in the food process, even going food shopping. Now, I know this can be an absolute nightmare. I've got three kids and it is a handful. But I'll tell you what, as we're going through the produce aisle, if I have them picking out the vegetables that they're going to eat for snacks during the week, I am 10 times more likely to have them eat those snacks than if I just go in there and I randomly pick a couple of things and then I chuck it in the lunch. They they are they're picking it out at the grocery store. They're seeing it there before I even cut it. So they see the whole food. That's another great thing. Um, and when they open up their lunch, they're like, oh yeah, 
I chose this. Mom didn't choose it. I chose this, right? I I made this meal. So I think when you're in that that cycle of the two separate meals, you can't go from all the way here to all the way over there, right? Slow and steady wins the race with, with changes. So maybe picking one meal a week where the kiddo gets to pick the recipe. You have a book of recipes and I've got a wonderful website for parents if they're interested in this that are very kid-friendly recipes, all the way from very quick ones like a snack um, to more involved recipes. Have the kid pick one recipe and then you guys do it together. Again, that's kids are also, you know, they love doing things with adults and feeling engaged. So uh, that would be my suggestion. Baby steps, baby steps. At what point, though, should we worry about nutrition? I know that a lot of foods, like say you have a macaroni and cheese kid, like that is enriched technically, right? With vitamins, minerals, whatever. I mean, it's not ideal. It's hardly the same as eating a handful of spinach. But at what point do we really need to worry about nutrition when it comes to having highly selective, maybe I'll just say highly selective eaters? Yeah, I I would say it would be cause for concern. My lowest threshold would be if your child is eliminating an entire food group, like they are not doing any vegetables, they're not doing any fruits. Um, They only do carbohydrates. They're not willing to do proteins because each one of those food groups provides essential vitamins and minerals that your your child could. And again, they are growing so fast that their needs are very, very high. It would be a time to go in and check with your pediatrician. Just something to keep an eye on at that point. So think of if I'm eliminating an entire food group, that's that's concerning to me as a dietitian. Yeah. Speaking of like sort of keeping an eye on things and and you alluded to it in the beginning too, with just the the highly sensitive to texture or smell in some cases, and obviously this is where you would consult with your pediatrician in some cases, extremely picky eaters that that could be tied to autism. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, we think about these kiddos as very sensory oriented, sensory sensitive and food has all kinds of sensory stuff going on, right? Smells, texture, touch, the way they may even need to eat something where they really only want finger foods or they only want smooth foods. So that that would also be another key to kind of go back and get, get checked out for sure. Um, and there are experts, there are things we call feeding teams where there's a speech therapist, an occupational therapist, and a dietitian that work all with, you know, children that have have these specific issues. If there was one thing that we could do as parents today, if we have a picky eater or a highly selective eater in our house, what would that be? To get your kiddo engaged back into the cooking process. Um, And there are so many different ways that you can do this too. I, I mean, we're talking gardening even can be a way to get them engaged in in foods and where foods come from all the way up until the, you know, the grocery store where they're picking things out, even if you're ordering online. I mean, that's easy enough, right? You can just sit there with your kiddo and pick through, okay, what fruits are we picking for this week? Or, okay, we decided we're going to do one meal together, even if it's breakfast, if it's a lunch, if it's a dinner, start with the low hanging fruit. 
Um, what's easiest for you? Like I said, get them engaged in the food that they're reading, eating and the preparation. I also think family meals, if you can do them, we're so hard. It's so, so hard these days. But if you can do one meal a week as a family, not only are you getting that beautiful social interaction, but it's another reason for your kid to show up at the table. That reminds me one thing I know that I had mentioned before. It's really, really important. When you're sitting at the table and we've got a bunch of different people with different taste buds, um, we all have different things that we like. Really, really important that we keep it open-minded, especially when we're eating something new or trying something new. because. One kid may love something and the other kid may not. Um, I know that this sinks me a lot of times when I get one kiddo who's the first one to take the bite of a new food. And the first thing he does is go, ew, this is the most disgusting thing I've ever had. Right. And then there is no way I'm getting the other two to even try it. Right. Or it's a hard, hard sell to get them to try it. So setting up um, some guidelines. I'm not going to call them rules, just some guidelines of we want to allow everybody to have their own experience and respect everybody's taste preferences. So don't yuck my yum was a, was a thing um, from one of my um, teachers out there that told me that. So I think that that's a great guideline to set up before you go so that everybody has a chance to try the bite of food. And if you don't like it, you tried it, you can say, no, thank you. You know, I took my, I tried it. No, thanks. And that still allows the space for everybody else to try it and enjoy it. Don't yuck my yum. That's the headline. Actually, that is a great headline. <laughs> Kate, thank you so much. I want to mention too, we'll have resources on our website, including that website you mentioned too, on wgme.com slash raising me. Kate, really appreciate your insight and your expertise today. Absolutely. This is, I love what I do and I am happy to get the information out. A couple of things to really think about today. And the first for me was this isn't your fault. I, I often think back to my son as a baby. He would eat everything. And I wonder, like, how did we get here? What did I do wrong? What could I have done or should have done differently? But after talking to Kate, I'm going to stop making this about me and figure out what else might be going on. Then the whole, you know, try one bite. It's not really that difficult. What you're asking is nothing unreasonable. The thing is, is we have to stick with it. And most of all, be patient. We actually kind of just went through this with baby carrots of all things, you know, those little raw ones. We went through the, okay, well, one bite before the end of dinner. Okay, one bite, one bite. Well, now he actually might eat a couple of those little carrots. It's baby steps baby steps. And I think we have to remember that it is baby steps. This is not going to be solved overnight. We have got to be patient. We've got to be consistent. And we also need to know when it is time to have a conversation with a pediatrician, like as Kate talked about, when it's cutting out an entire food group and that's happening at home. Thank you so much for being a part of Raising Me. I'm Adrienne Stein. This episode is edited by Megan Littlefield. Please give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, a positive rating and review really helps to spread this message. So we certainly appreciate that. Wherever you are, I hope you learn something new and get to take a little time for you.